Welcome to the Switch Leader Podcast, where we decide today the leader we will be tomorrow. Another week is gone, another week is back, and we are here again for another week of the Switch Leader Podcast. I'm here with my friend, James Meehan. James, thanks for hanging out with us on the podcast again this week. Absolutely, man. Glad to be here. The title of this episode is How to Respond to Questions About Sexuality Gracefully, Truthfully, and Appropriately. So you already see that this is one of those podcasts where we're going to dig into some stuff that sometimes we might feel a little bit uncomfortable talking about. Right. And that is the point that we are doing the podcast for, right? Is because we recognize sometimes we might feel a little bit ill-equipped to handle certain conversations, certain situations. We did a podcast on this topic last semester, but in that podcast, we dug more into the theology behind why we believe what we believe as a church and did our best to equip everyone on that. What we're going to do in this podcast is different because we're actually doing a Q&A. So we are intentionally taking questions that have been given to us from youth pastors and switch leaders, and we're just going to answer them. And so we're going to take those questions and to the best of our ability, we're going to answer those questions and hopefully give you maybe a perspective you didn't already have going into this episode so that when you face this with a student in real life, in real time at Switch, you feel equipped and know how to handle it. I want to start off by reminding you, you're more prepared than you think you are. That's good. We often think, I am not ready for this. And the truth is, as a follower of Jesus, you have more in you than you think you have, and you are more prepared than you think you are. And so we believe in you. We know that you're ready for this. And the fact that you're listening to a podcast like this, trying to continue to train and equip yourself just proves me more right. And I like to be right. Okay. <laughs> so I appreciate you doing that for me. James, first, I want to ask, is there anything that you want to share kind of on the topic as we're headed into this podcast? Yeah, I mean, I think what Josh said is absolutely correct. You are more prepared than you realize because the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is alive inside of you, that you are positioned where you are for a very specific purpose to pastor the hell out of the students that show up to switch every single Wednesday night. And that is a really, mm -hmm. really special thing. And so what I want to do is almost kind of a, do like a setup for everything that we're going to talk about later. So we're going to answer a bunch of specific questions but I've got two big questions for you that I want you to think about every time you're interacting with a student and engaging them on the topic of sexuality. Question number one is what is your relationship with them? What is your relationship with them? Because your relationship with them will determine the best path forward to engage on these more difficult topics. Like if you don't know the student right. and you just see them show up to switch on a Wednesday night with a pride button on, then it's probably not the most helpful thing for you to go up and begin telling them about the biblical view of sexuality because you don't have a relationship. Now, if you have a student in your small group and you are their small group leader, then a part of your responsibility based on the nature of that relationship is to love and lead them closer to Jesus. Now, how that works is gonna be dependent upon the answer to question number two. So question number one is, what is your relationship with them? And then question number two, what is their relationship with Jesus? What is their relationship with Jesus? Because if that student is brand new to switch, has no church background, doesn't believe in Jesus, then here's what we're not going to do. We're not going to 
put on them the expectations of being a Christian if they aren't actually a Christian. But if they are a follower of Jesus, if they are committing their life to pursue him in all that they do, then a part of that will include how they live and how they operate when it comes to their sexuality. And so those two questions are kind of like the foundation for everything else that we're going to talk about. What is your relationship with them? And what is their relationship to Jesus? Because if they're not a Christian, then our heart is always first and foremost, help them to know who Jesus is and how much he loves them. Then we're going to talk about the other stuff later. But if they are following Jesus, they do have a relationship with them. That's when we begin to look at, okay, how can we then align our lives with his teachings? That's so good. What's your relationship with them? What is their relationship with Jesus? So we're going to keep that in mind, keep that at the front of our minds as we kind of go through these questions. So James, the first question is this, how should I respond when a student asks if it's a sin to be gay? This one is such an important question. I'm so glad somebody asked this because it all depends on what they mean by be gay. So the biblical Mm. sin of homosexuality is not being attracted to people of the same sex. That is not the sin of homosexuality when it's described in the Bible. The sin of homosexuality in the Bible is the sin of having sex with people of the same sex that you are not married to. So the biblical view of marriage is this lifelong covenant between one man and one woman before God. And the Bible says that any sexual activity outside of that covenant is sexual immorality. So that means sex with anybody you're not married to whether they're a man or a woman, is sin. Attraction, not the same thing as sin. Now, lust is a little bit different because lust isn't just being attracted to a person. Lust is choosing to view them as an object for your pleasure rather than a person to be loved. It's not just finding them attractive. It's fantasizing about them in undignifying ways. So, If a student asks if it's a sin to be gay, the way that I would respond is I would say, well, the biblical sin of sexual immorality is any sexual activity that takes place outside of the covenant of marriage, which is between one man and one woman before God. That's how I would respond to it. And if they begin to ask, okay, but like, what about like getting married to somebody of the same sex? If I'm married to them, then is it okay? And I would say, well, no, because a part of the definition of marriage is that union of difference between one man and one woman who come together. Because the three purposes of marriage, relationship, reproduction, and reflection, two of them can only happen when you have a man and woman present. Reproduction, aka making babies, and then reflection, illustrating the union of difference between Jesus and the church, God and his people, the union of difference within the very nature of God, Father, Son, Spirit, all united as one being. That can only happen within the union of difference that happens with a man and a woman. Now, we talk way more about that in the other podcast episode that Josh mentioned, but that's how I'd answer the question. Depends on what you mean by be gay. Attraction is not a sin. Acting on that attraction outside of what God says is good, that's the sin. Absolutely. And I think for our students, that is not, when they ask that question, That's not, they're not going to go there Im- immediately. So you will be taking them somewhere that they were not originally planning and that's a good thing Absolutely. because we, we want for them to be thinking about, okay, there's more layers to this than I understood. And so the goal is to get them thinking and have them really ask questions. Okay, what do I mean by that? Well, do I mean, is it a sin to 
be attracted to someone that is of the same sex. Cause I have this friend and they, they said that they really struggle with this attraction and they're not sure about it and they love Jesus and they want to have a relationship with Jesus and they don't even understand why they have this attraction. So is that a sin? So that might be the question they're asking. And that's a really, really important one for them to ask and for you to be able to talk to them about, well, no, not, not necessarily. It's not necessarily the same as them then acting on that and going, no, I'm, I actually want to be with this person and I want to take it to this next level and go against the union of difference. Right. So really, really good question. The next question is, do we use students' preferred pronouns? This is a really good question. And there are so many different opinions on how to handle this. So I can't wait to hear how you handle it, James. <laughs> <laughs> So the question, do we use students' preferred pronouns? Now, let me just clarify off the top. We, as a switch ministry, do not have a policy or rule in place on this. I'll tell you what I do, and I'll tell you why I do. So I do not use a student's preferred pronouns because I believe that I, as a follower of Jesus, have been commanded to speak the truth in love. Speak truth in love. And so if I am calling a student by a pronoun that is different than their actual sex, then what I'm not doing is speaking truth anymore because I would, I would be speaking falsehood. Now, here's what that doesn't mean, though. That doesn't mean that I just call them by their like actual pronoun, their unpreferred pronoun, in order to provoke them or prove something. Because that may be truth, but it's not in love. So in every interaction, whether it's pronouns or anything, I want to do my best to speak the truth in love. Now, with this specific scenario, the way I apply that principle of speaking truth in love is as often as possible, I just use their name or their nickname. Right. Like I just, I don't call them by the pronoun because what I don't want to do is I don't want to speak falsely, but I also don't want to use language that I know is going to hurt them or harm them or like make them feel like I don't actually love them. And so if they ask me straight up, how I feel about their pronouns, I would tell them, well, here's why I'm not going to use your preferred pronouns and I'm going to do the best I can to call you by your name. If I mess up, I hope you know that I'm sorry and it's not an intentional thing to hurt you or anything like that. It's just that as a follower of Jesus, I believe that I am called to speak the truth in all that I do. And to the best of my ability, I want to do that in love. So for me personally, I just call them by their name as much as possible. And I just don't use pronouns at all because again, I don't want to speak anything falsely and I don't want to say anything that isn't loving. Absolutely. It's for me, it comes down to communication, like honest communication. Yeah. You may have a student that has been in this position for six months and, and uh, that has been like in your small group for six months. And you've really never talked to them about how maybe you have a differing of beliefs. Yeah. And if you haven't, you might run into this kind of an issue where a student feels like you're intentionally disrespecting them when in reality, you're just trying to be respectful to your own beliefs. Yep. And they can understand that more than you think if you could sit down and help them understand it and say, Hey, I love you for who you are. Like I love you. And regardless of how we differ in our beliefs, I love you and care about you. But just like you have your beliefs, I have mine. And just like I know you want to be respected, I just ask that you could do the same for me. And so, this is what I believe. And, and if you hear me accidentally slip up from time to time, I, I am intending to call you by your name. And most of the time, 
they respond to that really well. Absolutely. Third question. How do I react when a student shows me a picture of their same sex crush? Yeah, this is really good. I would start with just asking lots of questions. I'd ask them like, oh, cool. So tell me more about them. Like, what do you like about them? Are they following Jesus? Do they go to church? When you say they're your crush, what do you mean by that? Are you talking about like, you know, the whole, what is it? Man crush Monday, women crush Wednesday, that kind of thing. Or is this somebody that you're actually hoping to pursue a romantic relationship with? Because again, young people say things that sound like something other than what they actually mean at times. Mm -hmm. And so I want to ask a lot of questions. I want to seek understanding before I seek to be understood. And then depending on my relationship with them and their relationship with Jesus will determine where I go from there. If they are saying this is someone they want to date romantically, then if they are a Christian, I would just talk to them about that. I would see that as an invitation to share with them what we believe as a church about sexuality, how we're wired and created by God for relationship. If they're not a Christian, I'd probably still do the same thing. I'd probably still tell them what we believe. I would just approach it slightly differently, and it would be very similar to what Josh, you just shared, where I would as gracefully and kindly as possible share with them. You know, that's really interesting. As a follower of Jesus, what I believe is that human beings are designed for relationship with the opposite sex when it comes to romantic types of relationships. And for those people who aren't attracted to the opposite sex, then for those people, the calling that God's given to them is to do what Jesus did, to be single and celibate. And so it sounds like we actually have different beliefs, but I just want you to know that even in our disagreement, I'm so glad you're here at Switch. And I believe that God has some really cool stuff in plan for you. And if you were willing to give Jesus a chance, I think he'd show you some really cool stuff about his character. That's how I would interact in that conversation. What I love most about that answer is that you didn't give them an answer right away. But oftentimes when they do something like that, they are asking for a response. Yep. And when your response is curiosity and more questions, it's it's almost always better That's than good. your response being why <laughs> you know like like tell wait a minute let's point out the obvious here no instead you're you're asking curious questions and as a matter of fact the questions that James asked are questions that you would ask regardless of which sex it was in that picture right right so if it was a boy or a girl in the picture wouldn't matter you'd still say tell me more about them like what do you like about them are they following Jesus do they go to church is this like a real crush? So all of those questions are the same types of questions we would ask when we are trying to help a student determine if a relationship or someone they might be interested in is a healthy, you know, is based off healthy terms or unhealthy terms. And so we create that equally. And that then sets us up to have a little bit more of the truth side of this conversation. But we don't lead with it. Right. So we, we lead with going, yeah, this if this is someone you're interested in, let me ask you some interesting questions, right? Okay, so moving on, another good question here. How to respond when a student is bold in their sexuality and it feels like they don't understand it's wrong or their parents don't think it's wrong? So it's kind of a two-part question here. Yep. How do I as a leader respond when there is a student that's really bold in their sexuality and they feel like it's not wrong? but also their parents don't think it's wrong. Their parents are fine with it. Yeah. So just kind of answering the first part, if they're bold in it and they don't understand it's wrong, well, then the beginning is to help them grow in their understanding. And so yeah. if they're not a Christian, 
the goal is to help them get to know Jesus. Start there. If they are a Christian though, and they're still bold in their sexuality outside of what the biblical view of sexuality is, then what I typically do is I ask them some questions about what they think Jesus thinks about sexuality. And if they genuinely don't have any idea, then it's like, hey, let's actually look at this passage of scripture when Jesus talks about this. And I go to Matthew chapter 19. It's the passage of scripture that we talked about in the previous podcast and in the message that we played last semester. And it's in that chapter of scripture where Jesus is in this conversation that he answers four huge questions. He answers why it matters what we do with our bodies. The answer is because we're made in the image of God. He answers the question, what is marriage? It's a lifelong covenant between one man and one woman before God. He answers the question, why we want things that are outside of what the Bible says are good. It's because sin has corrupted our desires. And then he answers the question, what if we don't fit into the typical mold when it comes to our sexuality? He tells us that marriage isn't for everyone and that for those people, the best thing they can do is choose not to marry for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. And so I would bring them to what Jesus has to say about the issue. Now, again, that's if they're a Christian and they just don't know. Now, if they do actually know and they're still being bold in their sexuality, like knowing that it's outside of what we believe as a church and what Jesus teaches, then it's the kind of conversation where maybe what you say is, hey, I know this is some place that we disagree on. And because of that, sometimes you can be so bold that it actually feels like you're just trying to get attention or provoke a reaction. And I'm going to ask you moving forward that let's just like not make small group about that because it's mm-hmm. distracting us from what we're here for. We're here to learn about who Jesus is and what it looks like for us to follow him. And we want to grow in our relationships with each other. And I don't think this is your intention, but sometimes it feels like you're just trying to get the spotlight on you. And I want to make sure every student has a chance to share. And you just but kindly and clearly tell them, hey, let's let's stop making that the focus of our small group. I think it's really important to that could go missed what you just said. You said, I don't think this is your intention. Now, the reality is you have some students who that is solely their intention. (laughs) Right, right. But it's important for us as leaders to understand that we have to give them the benefit of the doubt if we want to help them move forward. And so being able to speak something to them that says, hey, I, I know you well enough to know, like, I don't think it's your intention to take everything else away from the group. I don't think yep. it's your intention to distract from everyone else, but that is what's happening. Yep. And since I know that's not what you want to do, could you please help me out and not allow this to continue to happen when it's something that you and I can definitely talk about one-on-one? And so that not only does that actually help you get to where you're trying to get, it also respects your student in a way and like gives them honor in a way that will help them respect you more. And yep. so If you want to be able to have a voice in their life, it's important that you handle those things in a really respectful way. So James, you kind of answered the first part of that question. Now, the second part of it, what if their parents don't think it's wrong? Yeah. And that is a very, very challenging thing. So we are all about partnering with parents. Now, here's what that doesn't mean. That doesn't mean we always go with whatever a parent wants. That's not actually a healthy partnership. And if you always just went blindly with what a parent wants for their student, then you would actually be falling short of partnering with them in the way that you're meant to. And so one of the best things you can do when you find out that a parent is supportive of their kids' pursuit of whatever sexual desires they have outside of the biblical view of marriage and sex, the best thing you can do is just let the parent know truthfully what we believe as a church. 
And then you let the parent know gracefully that even though they disagree, and even though their kid disagrees, that they are always welcome here because we love them. And we know that one of the major things that makes the church, the family of God so beautiful is that even when we disagree, even about important issues, we can still be family. And so truthfully, you just let the parent know, hey, it seems like maybe we disagree on this. Here's what we believe as a church. It sounds like you all believe this. Is that right? And they can confirm that is true. They disagree with what we believe. Then you can say, hey, I just want you to know that even though we disagree, your kid is always welcome here. And I'm going to do the best I can to like honor them and be respectful to them. I just want you to know that there's going to be times where these conversations come up. And when it does, I will share what our church believes when it comes to sexuality and marriage. And that right there, that clear and kind communication goes a long way to help you partner with those parents well. Yeah, it it also kind of puts the ball in the parents' court and it makes us, it makes it clear that we're being very transparent. We have yep. nothing to hide. We are not trying to pull the rug out from under you. We're not trying to take advantage of your influence on your kid. As a matter of fact, we care so much that we're willing to tell you that we disagree with you. And when you do things like that, even outside of the context of a communication with a parent, you could put this in context of communication with anyone in any position. When you provide transparent, clear communication, honest communication, you earn respect and trust every time. Now, it doesn't mean that the outcome is great every time because sometimes they might go, man, now that I know that, I don't think I want my kid going to church there, right? right? And so you you may actually face a situation where a parent goes, oh, well, if that's what you guys, I thought you guys believed something different. So if that's what you believe, my kid's not going to church there. You have to understand that there will be moments where we cannot completely own what happens with a kid's salvation, with their yep. relationship with Christ, and with their attendance in our church. But what we can completely own is that we are going to be honest and we are going to be faithful to what yes. we know is good and true. And that's all we can do. And outside of that, we trust that God's going to handle the rest. And so the majority of the time, this conversation goes great with a parent because the parent already knows that we as a church in the Bible Belt probably... <laughs> probably don't agree right, with right. their belief, right? Like they probably are aware with that, aware of that. And the fact that we're willing to be honest and transparent and still welcoming and loving will go a long ways. So in the effort to partner with parents, this feels like a really hard way to get it done. And you as a leader might have a temptation to be like, nah, I'm gonna not partner with that parent. Like I'm gonna partner with the other parents, but I'm gonna try to not just communicate a lot with that one. I'm going to flip the script on you and tell you that this is a parent you need to put a lot of work into loving and partnering with and trust trust them to know and love their kid so that you can earn the trust for them to let you do the same. Yeah. Okay, so next question, another really great one. Is there a way I can get to know a student deeper without asking about their sexuality? The answer is absolutely. Okay, good. I almost never ask my friends about their sexuality unless they bring it up That's or good. unless they're asking me to hold them accountable. You know what I mean? Like unless they're offering it, I'm probably not asking because it's, I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't feel the need to go there. Do you, <laughs> I'm not intending to be laughing right now, but <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to think of any friendship in my life where that is what I led with, right? Right. 
And it's, it's, it's not one of those questions. So I think it's totally fair to say that that's one of those that we go in. I want to say this too. Even if you are confident that you know the answer, right? Like if you meet a kid and you're like, this kid's battling with their sexual identity, like sure. this kid, no doubt it, it does not know who they are or thinks that they are the opposite sex of what they physically are. Even then it's just not what you lead with because in truth, it's not even relatively close to right. the most important thing. Right. So I, I agree with what James said. I didn't mean to cut you off. Once I started laughing, I could tell that you lost <laughs> it because of my unprofessionalism. Listen, that's it. That's all I got. Okay, good. I'm glad. Okay. So we're in agreement. Yes, you can absolutely go deeper without asking about their sexuality. The goal is that one day you get to know them well enough and you love them well enough and your relationship is deep enough that they actually ask you that they bring up something in conversation that opens the door for you to get to speak into it. Yeah. But it is not a door you are trying to kick open. That's good. So many other ways to know and love a kid. Really good. Um, okay. So next question, should I stop students from sharing about their same sex relationship? Yeah, this is a really good question. And it all depends on the tone, their intent, and the context. So like if they're sharing to get a reaction or to draw attention to themselves in a way that's not actually helpful, then I would, I'd shut it down. I'd say, hey, you know, it, it seems like we're just trying to turn small group into all of the latest relationship drama that we're going through. And while we absolutely want to know what's going on in your life and what matters to you, I want to make sure that we take some time to talk about what it is that God's speaking to us. So let's save that conversation for later and let's get back into what we're talking about. I think that's a really great way to yeah. redirect the conversation in a way that's graceful, truthful, and appropriate. Now, if they're honestly sharing about their same-sex relationships because you as a small group leader have created a space where they can be open and they're doing it appropriately, then I would let them share because they're sharing a part of their life. They're trusting you with that. And if they're confessing, if they're looking for help, if they're asking for guidance, then for sure don't shut it down. See that as the invitation that it is, that they're trusting you with this, and they're asking you as their leader to help them navigate it wisely. I think I can almost give other examples of why this would be true in so many other situations. We have small groups all the time that come to me and say, man, I feel like my small group can't get anywhere past just talking about the, these girls at school that they like. And I'm going, all right, you're like, that's going to be on you as a leader to help lead them past knowing, yep. hey, it's okay for us to spend a moment with you talking about your personal life or things that are going on, but it can't be the focal point of our time together because, man, we want to make sure that we're growing closer to Christ. And so there's so many other things where it's easy for us to say, yeah, that we cannot let one thing be the focal point. I think one of the other things that makes this unique is that yes, we're talking about a sinful relationship, something we absolutely believe as sin. And you could think of many other sins that a kid could be battling with. And would it be appropriate for us to just let them in openly in small group, just start sharing about how much they're enjoying that sin? Like right. how much it just kind of every week, like, hey, this is what I'm dealing with. And it's been a real good time. You know, like this is where I'm at. And I just, <laughs> I wanted to let you guys know how much I'm enjoy enjoying it. No, it, that's totally yeah. different than confessing. That's totally yep. different than saying, hey, you guys know about this problem I have. And I just need to tell you, I, 
I had the problem again this week and I'm still battling it. And I just had to tell somebody that's completely different. That's what small groups for, Yep. but it's not for celebrating it. And yep. so understanding that line, I think is absolutely important. Brilliant. Two more questions. This one is, what do I do if I feel uncomfortable? Now, I don't know that I fully, that I have the full context for that question. So maybe you have a little bit more context for it, James, but what do I do if I feel uncomfortable? Yeah. I mean, I would assume you're describing the feeling of being uncomfortable when teenagers are talking about their sexuality that is outside of what the Bible teaches, which first of all, let's just acknowledge that talking to any teenager about anything sexuality related should make us uncomfortable. We should not ever find yeah. ourselves comfortable in those conversations. So I would say, if you feel uncomfortable, that's probably good because it's not an easy topic. And if you feel uncomfortable when they're talking about their sinful tendencies, that's probably good because I don't think as followers of Jesus, we should ever be comfortable with sin. Like it should always unsettle us. Now, here's what's important to acknowledge, that our discomfort is not an excuse to not then disciple that student closer to Jesus. And so what I would say is if you're feeling uncomfortable, see that as an invitation to bring things back to Jesus. Because while I'm sure Jesus was not just uncomfortable, but heartbroken by the sinfulness he saw when he walked on the earth, that never held him back from stepping into those messy situations and bringing life, truth, love, and grace. So that would be my first response is it's okay to be uncomfortable. It's not okay to use that as an excuse to not engage and bring things back to Jesus. The other thing I would say is that sometimes the level of discomfort you feel is because students are crossing the line. And it's some of what we've talked about earlier where they're talking about things that, you know what, it's actually not appropriate to be talking about right now in switch group in this environment. And so what I would do is set up appropriate boundaries let them know that, hey, I'm not actually comfortable with this discussion, and I would prefer that we not talk like this during our small group. Now, again, what that doesn't mean is that we're not giving people space to share, to confess, to be honest. What it is is us as leaders setting the boundaries, the guardrails in place so that what is meant to be a life-giving conversation where relationships are deepened with each other and with God stays focused on what it's meant for. You use the phrase, you took that uncomfortable and switched it to heartbroken, right? I think of, like you said, the way that Jesus felt and you said, you know, he, I'm sure he felt uncomfortable, but I'm confident that he felt heartbroken. Yeah. It, that actually reminds me a lot of my mom. So shout out to my mom, Bertie Baldwin. So my mom has the biggest heart. She loves Jesus, always has, loves people so well. And when she sees somebody doing something with their lives that she knows is going to result in pain or know is, is going to result in something not honoring God, what I've found to be really unique about her that's very, very different from judgment is genuine brokenheartedness. And the reason I know it's genuine is because she feels the same way about mistakes and sin in her own life, mm, Wow, where she just genuinely can just be broken knowing gosh, I hurt the heart of God. And as her kid kind of watching that as an example growing up, it has made, I would say in many ways, reshaped the way that I approach my view of other people. Because yeah. as a kid growing up, there's no doubt I was, I was just a judgmental little brat. Okay. Like I was like, <laughs> y'all need to, y'all need to get your crap together. Okay. But as I got older, I realized 
first of all, I don't have mine together. And then just realize, man, this doesn't just make Jesus uncomfortable. This breaks his heart. Absolutely. And it should break mine. Yes. Which is why we pray the prayer, God, break my heart for what breaks yours. Amen. And so if you're in this position where you're saying, God, it just makes me uncomfortable. I want to challenge you to get brokenhearted. Come on, so dude. Stop being uncomfortable and start being brokenhearted because it is a heartbreaking situation we're talking about. Yeah. This is not just a kid who's doing something yucky. Okay. Right. And I say that because that's why a lot of people feel. Right. And they're like, man, it's just gross. Why is this even a problem? Could you just stop for a minute and let it break you to know that there are some kids that are so lost that they do not know who they are yeah. and that it is not, God doesn't look down here and go gross. He looks down here and goes, man, that makes me cry. That breaks yeah. my heart. Come and so on. pray that he would break your heart for what breaks his, because if you can do that, and if you can get to that place where you go, this isn't gross, this is broken hearted. I promise you, it will motivate you to love that kid and show them grace in a way they never knew possible. And the result will be that they will know Jesus in a way that they didn't before. Amen, dude. All right, last question. This is a question a student asked. It says, how can I support my friends who are currently choosing a lifestyle with sexuality other than what we believe? Good yeah. question. Such a good question. And many of your students will probably be wondering the same thing. And so if a student were to come to me and ask that question, what I would tell them is you support them the same way you would support any friend engaging in any behavior outside of what the Bible says is good. You love them. You show up for them. You listen to them. You invite them to church. You share your life with them. You point them to Jesus. You do for them what you would want them to do for you. And when they ask you what you think, you tell them, as truthfully, as gracefully, and as appropriately as you know how. So good. I love that we have students asking those questions. The yeah. fact that we have students in our ministry asking those questions because they want to be able to connect with their friends. Guys, I can't tell you how many students that I have, especially high school students over the years that I have seen bring friends who identify as the opposite gender to our church. Yep. And these are kids who absolutely believe that 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 is sin, but they just understand grace. Come on, and they man. understand the way Jesus would have behaved, and it makes me think, God, like if this sixteen-year-old, <laughs> if this sixteen-year-old has figured out grace to that level, yeah. what on earth is taking me so long? So <laughs> I, I accept the challenge. Hey, thank you everybody for listening, and know that. We're going to continue to try to do podcasts on topics that are challenging because we recognize that there are few things in your life more challenging than youth ministry right. because it just is hard. It always has been. And for some reason right now, I'd say it's as hard as it has ever been that we are facing challenges that are really, really hard to tackle and sometimes can feel confusing on how to address in the simplest way that we know to put it is the way that Pastor Craig addresses it over and over and over, which is grace and then truth. Yep. Always in that order, never the other way around. Grace and then truth. And so keep on showing up with that. Keep on asking questions. If you have questions that weren't asked, get a hold of your youth pastor and have a conversation because I promise you they want to talk to you about this. We love you guys. Thank you every single week for joining us on the Switch Leader Podcast, where we decide today the leader we will be tomorrow. Oh, oh, oh.